Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. Hello, church. Welcome back to House to House. This is episode eight, and it is Sunday, April 19th of 2020. I'm glad to be with you again as we continue on in our study in Ephesians. And as we begin, I want to read something to you. Eugene Peterson wrote, he said, Marriage, um, more than any other relation that we enter into, is more complex, difficult, and demanding, but also fulfilling, pleasurable, and satisfying. And he summed it up. Marriage is both those things. It's, it's as complex a relationship as we'll ever be in, but it also is fulfilling and satisfying in so many ways. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But there can be a lot of misunderstanding when we talk about this subject. So we're going to ask the Lord just to go before us, even before we begin. So would you join me as we pray? Lord, I ask today that you would move in a way that only you can across this medium, that you would cause each of us to hear your voice and what you want to say and not what we want to say. Lord, I pray that you would move by your Spirit and cause our ears to hear maybe what we've missed before. And Lord, that we would catch the spirit that you communicate in your truth, not just the letter of the law. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back, church. As we get into Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33, I want to remind you of where we've come from. In the beginning of Ephesians, we have this picture of who Christ is. Actually, the whole Trinity is displayed there for us. We have the Father and His plan and His love. We have the Son and His sacrifice. We have the Spirit moving and implementing all that the Father and the Son have a heart for. And, and just this community of cooperation that's happening in the Trinity. The glory of God on display. And as this is taking place, he begins to transition into chapter 4 and he says, I want you to understand that my goal, my plan, is that the church would be a demonstration of my glory here on this earth. And so he he talks about that in chapter 4, but he's going to go even deeper when we get to chapter 5, and he says, that's a bigger relationship. That's That's every individual part of my body worldwide. But I want to also show you how I'm displaying my glory in the most fundamental relationships in all of our lives, family and work. And so in chapter 5, he begins to talk about that. That's where we are here in chapter 5, verse 22. Now, don't forget verse 21. The principle is that everyone is submitting to one another. This isn't something that just one gender does, one person does, one group does. We all as believers are submitting, first of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ and then to one another. Verse 22, he starts with this idea of wives submitting to their husbands. Now, let me tell you two things that are not being said here and one thing that is. First of all, this is very important. This is not about who's boss or who's in charge. That is not talked about anywhere in Ephesians 5. If that's your understanding, you missed it, all right? It's not what it's talking about. Secondly, it's not about men having authority or superiority over women simply because of gender. That's not being talked about here as well. Matter of fact, this passage really doesn't talk about men and women. It talks about Christ and the church and then husbands and wives and then children and how they all fit into that when we talk about family relationship. And then it's going to expand out into work relationships. But it's not, this is not a license to beat someone else based on gender or role to beat them into submission. That is not what this is about, and I hope you see that. What is it about? This is a, about a mutually agreed-upon surrender to Jesus Christ for the fulfillment of His mission through us, whether we're single or married. doesn't matter. 
I'm going to say that again. It's about a mutually agreed upon surrender to Jesus Christ for the fulfillment of his mission through us, whether we're single or married. You say, Troy, I'm not sure that's what this is about. Look at verse 32. Then we're going to come back to 22, but let's jump ahead to 32. I'm going to show you in the passage. This mystery is profound. What mystery? He's been talking for nine verses about marriage, about husbands and wives. He says this mystery of marriage is profound, but it's not really about marriage at all. Really, what's it about? And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This is the mystery. This is what's so profound. I'm displaying my glory to the church, and I want to show you another way that I do that, another Another relational system in which I do that is the family. It's husband and wife, and then the children brought into that. Now, let's look at this passage a little bit. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. By the way, the word submit, we've talked about this before. It's a military term, which means to voluntarily line up under. The, the Roman world understood this because the Romans perfected this, this. They were masters at coming together in formation and defeating their foe. So there, Paul uses this term, the Holy Spirit uses this term, to say, I want you to submit, wives, to your own husband. Notice, it isn't to everyone else's husband. It isn't to men in general. There's a relationship here with your own husband. And this voluntarily lining up under, it's important that we understand this, okay? Again, this is not about male superiority. That's not what this is talking about. Look at the next verse with me, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. When I was reading through this this week, something came to my mind I never thought of, and it made me smile. Husbands, if we ever get a little cocky and think, yeah, wives, you need to submit, I want you to read this. It says that they are to submit... At to Christ, at the way the church submits to Christ. I don't know about you, but we haven't really perfected that yet. I haven't. The church isn't great sometimes at submitting to Christ. On the other hand, when it talks about how we're to love our wives as Christ saw the church, he's already perfected love, and he does it perfectly. Guys, we've got the, the higher standard to live up to. All right. Let, think about it this way, though. Some of you ladies are maybe you're chafing a little bit. You think, what do you mean? My, my husband's the head. He, what, he's the boss. He's in charge. Again, let's lose the American mentality of competitive and one-upmanship, all right? This is not the picture here. This is completely different than that. We think about a team lead. You have a team. You have people on that team often that maybe are more skilled than the leader himself or herself. But the team lead has the responsibility of being the team lead, of bringing all these different parts together and moving in a common direction. So think of it that way. It's not about who's in charge and who's boss, but there, are, there does have to be some kind of lead in, in a team setting. Look at the next verse with me. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here's a principle, and don't miss it. If you're a leader, whether male or female, in whatever setting you might be, but we're talking specifically here about marriage, if you're the leader, Team leaders love by serving the team. The team submits by honoring the leader. All right? That principle is all through here. The leader loves by serving the team. And the team honors, respects, in their, as they're doing this, they, by submitting to the, they, they submit by honoring the leader. Now, as we go through all of this, it'll become more clear because this will come out several times in this passage. That he might sanctify her, 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Let's talk about Jesus and what he's doing with his church. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. There's a phrase that I hear often, and I don't like it. All right? I'm just telling you right off the bat, I don't like it. It is this phrase, happy wife, happy life. I don't like it. I'll tell you why I don't like it. Usually when it comes up in conversation, it is some guy talking to me, or maybe I've even said it in the past, but I am, I am in some way trying to appease, or you're trying to appease your wife and make her happy so that you don't have to deal with any kind of negative verbal or emotional response. That is not... That is not biblical. That's not the context here. That's not what this is about. How do we know that? Because he uses the word sanctify. Christ sanctifying the church. The leader sanctifying, in this case, husband sanctifying the wife. Now, I can't do what Christ does for my wife. But what does sanctify mean? Let me ask it a different way. When Adam and Eve were created, did they have sin or were they without sin? The answer to that is they were without sin. God created them without sin. He made them perfect, and they were in perfect relationship with him. That's what he designed. That's what they were made for. Sin they entered into by choice, and then God had to, he had to create a redemptive plan. He already had it in mind, but he created a redemptive plan to bring them back to what they were originally designed for. That's what Christ does for his church. He brings us back into what we were created for, which is to be in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to be in relationship with the Father and with the Spirit. Now, sanctify literally means to restore something back to its original purpose, what it was intended for. You've watched in these videos, you've seen the piano, it's off over here to my right, or my left, my other right, my left. And the piano in our house gets used for a number of things. Sometimes we put remote controls on it. Sometimes we put books or DVDs or different things. Things get stacked on the piano, and it works fine for that. It's a sturdy piece of furniture. It will hold them up. But that's not what it's for. That's not its purpose. But when Lori or someone else sits at this piano and begins to play, they sanctify it. That's the word. They use it for what it was designed for. Men, when we read this, how do we sanctify our wives? We're working in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to help them discover and walk in what God made them for. We're not there to dominate, to rule over, to control or manipulate. We are cooperating with the Holy Spirit in His design purpose for their life. And by the way, they do the same thing for us. There have been a number of times in our married life where I've come into Lori frustrated, discouraged, overwhelmed, and I come in, I say, I quit. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't like it. I don't like anybody. Uh, it doesn't do any good. It's pointless, and, I, and, uh, and I'll vent for a little while, and she'll graciously listen. And then usually, after I'm done with all this, she says, okay, well, if you're not going to do this anymore, what are you going to do? My standard answer is, I'm going to flip burgers at McDonald's. I don't know why that's my standard answer, but that's where I go. I'm going to flip burgers at McDonald's. By the way, nothing wrong with flipping burgers at McDonald's as long as that's your sanctified calling. And sometimes in our life it is. But she will often look at me and she says, okay, you can go to flipping burgers. But she said, is that your calling? Is that what God made you for? Well, I don't care what God made me for. I'm just going to flip back. Because again, I want release of pressure. I, I think it's better over there, which we often do think it's better over there than it is here. I'll tell you, folks, it's never better than when you and I are walking in the thing that we were made for. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's always fun. But there's nothing better, nothing more fulfilling than our calling. That's what we do for one another. Wives do it for us too, but we do this. There's a cooperation because we're both submitted to Jesus Christ 
It's not one over the other. It's this walking together. Now, are there some times where decisions have to be made and maybe we're not in complete agreement? Lori and I have had that a couple times, maybe more than a couple times in our married life. And then in love and gentleness, say, I really believe God wants us to do this. That's where a, a lead comes in. And then there's a willingness to say, okay, let's walk that direction. Sometimes I look at it and look back and think I was right. And sometimes where I was wrong. But either way, she didn't come along later and say, you messed up. You missed that one, buddy. No, there's like, you know what? We'll learn from it. We'll take the next step. We'll go here. There is a cooperation. Remember the poem by Frost? Wing to wing, oar to oar. There's a rowing together. There's the wings moving together. That's the picture that we have here. You don't want to miss it. The last part of the passage says this. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. This mystery of marriage is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's the real goal here, is that we would glorify in our marriages just the way the church is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He comes back to this again. If you have the lead, you lovingly serve. If you are under one who is leading, then you honor and respect. That's the principle. It's not about who's in charge. It's not about manipulation, control, or domination, emotionally, physically, or any other way. If we miss that, it doesn't matter how many conferences we go to. It doesn't matter how much marriage resource we take in. That foundation is critical, and everything else can be built on it. Now, I want you to take a moment. Just press into the Lord. Ask Him if there's something He wants you to see. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in all of this? Maybe worship a little bit. Uh, and come back in just a moment. And when you come back, I have a special treat for you. Hi, church. Welcome back. And I am delighted to have my wonderful wife, Lori, with me. Most of you know Lori. If you don't, then I'm introducing her to you for the first time. And uh, we're glad to be here together. You know, it's, it's always helpful, I think, to have different perspective when you're sharing truth, especially truth that's as vital and important as this. And Lori brings such wisdom and, and just a, a neat perspective to so many things when we have conversation. So I asked her if she'd be willing to join me on this, and she graciously agreed. And so I'm going to ask her at least one or two questions, and we'll see where this goes. We'll just kind of just kind of walk through it and see where the Spirit leads us. My first question is, you listened to the first part as we were talking about this passage in Ephesians 5. So based on what you heard, is there a particular truth or application of truth that you think really needs to be highlighted? Uh, yes. I, I would say that for all our years of being married, that looking at that passage from the perspective of Christ and the church makes such a difference. Mm -hmm. um, the Really, for all believers, we don't have salvation without Christ's submission to death. Mm -hmm. And looking at it in that perspective is... I think super important, especially considering for wives, that that particular passage can be so misused and abused, especially if you take that passage by itself or that one verse out and forget the whole of Scripture. Submission runs through all of Scripture from beginning to end. Really, it's a part of all of our calling. We're not walking with Christ as believers if we're not walking in submission. So that perspective 
makes a big difference. But as far as the, the dailiness of that in marriage, it's hard to escape it. Yeah. It's, it's just, it can be a daily, a, a daily calling, a daily test, if you will. I can remember back when our kids were young, this would be going back when, after Andrew was born, that it really kind of popped up in this sense of, as with your calling, you've often been, our weekends can look very different. And when Katie was, our oldest daughter was probably two, two and a half, Andrew was just born, I can remember that, that the submission to the calling that God has on our lives was really tested. And in a, in, it seems shallow, but a lot of it would come up with how our evenings and weekends were, were spent. Mm-hmm. We really have never had weekends that looked like what I thought they and, and back in that time this was a tension I don't know if you remember it do you remember that because <laughs> a lot of it was directed at you unfortunately in demanding demanding that you be home at a certain time demanding that we have this family time demanding it, it felt like a demanding spirit not submissive and a lot of it came back to really just me and Christ it wasn't necessarily a you and me decision as much as it was, God, I can't keep living in this, this sense of just not getting my way and being, I think I, I was probably very grumpy during those mm-hmm. times. Dude, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I, I plead the fifth. All right. <laughs> I definitely was not happy. Although I do, I do like to think that I was, yeah. but I wasn't. And it really came down to submitting to Christ in my time being surrendered and mm-hmm. submitted. God, you can have all my time. This clinging and being demanding was hurting our marriage. But it, and it was a submissive issue, but it was more about me and Christ than it was me and you. Mm-hmm. But it, it, the dailiness of it made it me and you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. That's why when I go back and look at that passage, all the references to Christ and the church mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of that makes all the difference to me because mm-hmm. it really is a picture of our oneness in Christ that we have as believers, that somehow he takes a marriage mm-hmm. and puts that on display. Mm-hmm. But it's our own submission to him that makes it work. Um, and I think somehow that's, that's the underlying part of submission that people don't see. Mm-hmm. It's a, almost a, an underground kind of reality yeah. that we have with Christ. But I'm encouraged with that because what you don't see in a life is really the most real. Mm-hmm. Sometimes scripture bears that out with denying ourselves mm-hmm. and accept a grain of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. Um, but fruit will rise up from that if we're willing to walk that way. Um, So all of that um, has been part of our journey Mm -hmm. and part of my journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that encourages somebody. Yeah, Yeah. I I think it will. And the reality is I do remember those days. And what I remember most is sensing Lori's unhappiness and my desire to make her happy. I wanted really to make, and in a real sense, sometimes feeling like I'm failing at my role because I should be able to make her happy. Remember again, the whole idea, happy wife, happy life. And here's something that I will share that she wouldn't say, but I will say for her. Jesus did something in her I could never do. And by the way, whatever your situation is out there, 
You're counting on Jesus doing what no other human being can do in your life. As much as I wanted to. I even offered at times, I said, you know what, we don't have to do this. I can go do something else for, for a living or for a calling, if you will. And I'm not sure that's true, but I, I said it and I, and I meant it. We could go do something else. And, and there was enough wisdom that she had at that time. No, I don't think that's what God wants for us right now. And yet... Um, I watched God do things in Lori that I could not do. I saw her go to places. I know I didn't do it because she went to places I'd never been. And God will do that for us. He's done it for her. He's done it in my life. He'll do it in your life. He has for many of you. And this is what he wants to continue to do. Now, Lori, um, people would say that you're married to me, so your life is perfect. (laughs) All right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Nobody would say that. Um, but in all seriousness, every situation is different. Yes. No, everybody that we're talking to, no two situations are alike. Um, so do you have encouragement for those who say, you know, my situation is nothing like yours. Maybe I'm married to someone, they're not a believer. Maybe I am, uh, they say they're a believer, but it doesn't look like they're a believer. Maybe we, it's not that we have occasional disagreements. Our life is full of tension and conflict. Um, is there anything that the Lord might prompt you that you would just encourage them with? That is a loaded question. It is. It is. And, That's the reason I gave it to you. I don't want to answer. <laughs> and, and one of that. here's a perspective that's probably not going to make everything make sense or even be the answer to that question, but maybe just a little portion of it is the beauty of submission being our calling as believers in general, not just in this one way, but as we continue to submit to Christ, no matter as a believer, even if we're married to an unbeliever or it's a believer and it's just a difficult real, I mean, there are so many different relationships and life situations and seasons and all of that, that God can still get glory mm-hmm. the way he wants. There's not just one way. Right. There's not just one way that a marriage looks like it's giving God glory. Mm-hmm. My grandmother would be a case in point mm-hmm. with that. She was in a very, very difficult marriage her whole entire life, mm-hmm. but she kept her oneness with Christ through submission to him and daily. It was messy. It wasn't perfect by any means, but God got glory from Mm -hmm. that in Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways. And we Mm -hmm. can go into how he does that. And I know there's people that can relate to that. Um, And even now, those women that are wives that are in situations that aren't ideal, still the call remains as a believer that God pours out grace and mercy and patience on Mm -hmm. us. There's not a perfection that we're attaining here. This oneness in Christ Mm -hmm. is available to all even when a marriage isn't what we might want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's just such a tough one yeah. because and it, important though, it is. because we don't want to present that submission here has a one size fits all. Yeah. There's yeah. a heart that God works through. And mm-hmm. when we are truly submissive to him, he has ways of working out mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a daily way, as difficult as it is, he gets glory yeah. how he chooses to do it. Yeah. And he can use, he can use difficult, he can use disappointing, he can use dreams that we think can't possibly be realized. Mm-hmm. He can resurrect yeah. new life right. um, through submission. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I love that picture, and I, I have a challenge for you all to look at a passage you may or may not be familiar with. 
Back in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 25, there's the story of Abigail and her encounter with King David. And as that story begins, she has a husband named Nabal. And the scripture clearly says he was a jerk. It doesn't use those words. It says he was harsh and badly behaved. Um, so you've got her husband, who is a jerk. You've got King David, who's a man after God's own heart. And yet in this situation, neither of them behaved the way they were supposed to. And God used her in a mighty way. There's a lot of truth in that passage. So if you're struggling, especially maybe as a wife out there, um, I challenge you to go back and look at that. And even us guys, again, submission is not just a girl thing. Submission is a people thing. All of us as followers of Jesus Christ. So I challenge you to be able to do that. Lord, thanks for taking time. I know you love this just as much as I do, being on camera, but thanks for doing that. I appreciate that. And uh, we love you guys. We want the best for you. We don't have all the answers, but we are on the journey with you. So God bless you. Grace and peace. Hi, church. As we wrap up today in this incredibly broad and complex subject, um, my wife reminded me, and the Lord's been prompting me all week, that there's another side to this. Um, those of you who are not married, those of you who are single, either you're single, you've never been married, or maybe you find yourself single, but you were married, but you find yourself single again. And there is this temptation, sometimes even supported or reinforced by, by the church, not that we mean to, but reinforced that this idea that fulfillment, that purpose, that God's real glory is seen when you get married that you don't really have it till the, then you're just kind of living, uh, up until then you're just kind of living in a, some state of purgatory, if you will, until you actually get married. I want you to know nothing could be further from the truth. Singleness is a high calling. And by the way, church, those of us who are married, we need to reaffirm that. And if you find it part of your mission to every single person you meet to try to get them married, stop, quit it, all right? That is not the role. Our role is to reaffirm the high calling of singleness. Now, are there challenges to singleness? Absolutely. Are there challenges to marriage? You better believe it. There are challenges either way you go. We're not denying that, but we are reaffirming the fact that singleness is a high calling. We want to support you, encourage you in that, whether it's for a time or for the rest of your life. Singleness is a high calling. And again, it's about Christ and the church. Lori pointed this out. Five times Paul's going to mention that in this passage of Scripture. It's about Christ and the church. It's not just about being married. Lori, you want to add anything to that? I agree. Um, I think it's super important for us to be able to speak that truth and receive that truth. Mm -hmm. That the point is oneness with Christ. And our calling for that is the same whether we're married or single. And encouraging one another along this way as a biblical community, I would love to see that more and more. That you can't be Jesus for me. I'm not Jesus for you. There are there, This calling to oneness is a picture of Christ in the church. And it's so important for us to be able to give honor everywhere, whether it's single or married waiting, engaged, all of it has its value. Mm -hmm. And we can bring glory to the Lord in any season of life. So the Lord bless you. If you're single and you're waiting and you have desire for marriage, that's, if that's God's given, it's a great thing. And we want to pray with you about that. But I don't want you to miss what God's doing now while you're waiting for something that's in the future. I love Rhonda and used to say that God's, um, God's will is... is I actually, I forgot what the quote is now. Uh, God's will is what's happening. Do you know what it is? Help me. God's will is what exactly what you'd want if you knew all the facts. If you knew all the facts. Absolutely. 
if we could see the end, we'd, we'd want exactly what he has right now. So I pray that it encourages you. I'm pray, let's pray for them. Matter of fact, why don't you close us with prayer? And let's pray for those who are single, whatever that means for them. Yes. Father, thank you for Ephesians 5 mm-hmm. and for all the truth in it. We pray for marriages, that, that we would be able to enter into the beauty and the mystery of Christ in the church yes. and what you've called us to and all the glory and attention that you want to receive from marriages for those that are married and both are believers and those that are in difficult situations. We pray for them all, mm-hmm. all to be walking this road of mutual submission, mostly to Christ and in our marriages and all of that. I pray for wisdom, pray for desire. We pray for your mercy and grace to be poured out on marriages. We also pray for those that are in the season of singleness mm-hmm. and maybe a life of singleness that it would yeah. feel the value and the glory that you want to bring from lives that are lived in submission to you mm-hmm. and the love that we receive from you mm-hmm. and the oneness in Christ that we have. I pray mm-hmm. that as a church that we would be able to unify yes. in oneness in different generations and different seasons of life and all the different ways that you want to create unity. We pray for that. We pray for every person to be just blessed and anointed to be able to walk this way. We pray for your strength and we pray for much fruit to spring up from this biblical truth that you poured out on us today. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next week.